All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is hour one of episode 460. That is a lot of episodes. Jason Lindgren is with me, and James is returning. Uh, he is with Grounded Extracts. The previous episodes James has joined us on is episode 379 and 423. I asked James back for a very specific reason. I began to realize that the new kind of devil's pitchfork hellishness that's being meted out to the people are drugs like Suboxone. Now, when I read the book on Iboga, when I went back to finally learn something more than I was aware of about the thing called Iboga, I actually read three books. And I learned for the first time that there's like a half-life with drugs that people get addicted to. I was not, I mean, I knew that there were differing powers of drugs, but when I read what the Iboga researchers found, my jaw dropped because they claimed if someone was addicted to heroin, that would be, I don't even remember what they said. I want to say a hundred times, but I feel like I'm exaggerating a hundred times easier to get off than a drug like Suboxone. The way they described it was the half-life. And then I started to meet people who were close to me that I had no idea the medical establishment had put on Suboxone and their life is falling apart. They're crying because they are trapped. And I mean trapped. And I believe me, I know something about this. Um, And so what I began to realize is it had gotten so bad that it's not bad enough just to give someone a tablet or a time release. Now they're handing out these sublingual little tabs where it's direct right into your bloodstream with a drug like Suboxone, which is, I want to say a hundred times, but again, just bear with me. It's much worse. In other words, when someone has a heroin addiction and they're put on methadone, in essence, what they have done, according to the Iboga researchers, is taken a drug like heroin, which is difficult to get off and made it many, 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 many times worse, putting them on a drug that is far more difficult to escape from. That's what this episode is about. It's about addiction. And the reason that I cover this is because it's starting to affect so many walks of life. It's almost like, well, I'm not even going to say the words. We're just going to jump in here and and get down to brass tacks. And by the way, in hour two, we're going to say a lot of things that are important that we can't really get away with in hour one. Welcome, Jason. And a very beautiful good morning. So let's try to chin up because this is one devilish situation that we have come to when people who are actually charged with your medical well-being are addicting people. One of my friends, just before we jump in with James, asked the doctor if what he was about, because he had taken himself off Vicodin previously, he said, I don't want anything addictive. And the doctor handed him the sublingual Suboxone. He'd never heard of it, unfortunately didn't look it up, and bang, wham, within a week, you're starting to be in dire straits. We hooked them up with James to talk to him. And in just a couple months, that life is completely headed to a new direction. And this is no easy thing. This is no, you'll see as we get in. Welcome, James. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me back. I really appreciate it. On the hundred times stronger, at the very least, we could say at the very least, it's 52 times stronger. Um, If it takes you a week to get off heroin, but it takes you at least a very minimum of 52 weeks to get off Suboxone, you could then say that it's 52 times stronger at the very least, just if you're looking at the withdrawals. What killed me about this, matter of fact, it brought me to tears because 
when he realized what had happened, he went back in the doctor and said, I have to get off this. And the doctor said, well, then go ahead and quit. Completely oblivious to what he'd just done to this human being. He'd taken out fish hooks with a barbed shank, sunk it deep in the meat, and then told him, go ahead, pull that fish hook out. No, no apparent method to try to do it. No plan to ever deal with getting someone off these things. It's almost like the establishment has come to a point where I guess you're doing this till you die because we, you and I know the numbers of how many people by themselves can actually get free. Where do you want to jump in here, James? Well, everything you said is, is on point. Um, I, my heart goes out to anyone on methadone or suboxone. Any of these opiates are very difficult, but the long acting opiates, if if you have a relationship with one of those, um, the Subutex, you know, Zubsolve, Suboxin, the buprenorphine, naloxone combination, or the buprenorphine alone, that and or methadone is something that I've seen. It's, it's a very different thing to deal with and to talk to people. Um, methadone, meth, and you can tell right off the bat, opi- opiate have, you know, users have pinned pupils you know, very, very obvious to tell the signs, but suboxone and methadone are a bit different. Um, it starts to change the facial, your facial structure. It will pin your pupils a little bit, but really the, the pronounced depression in someone is what you can tell. And a lot of these people are wonderful people is, is the way I feel about it. And we'll go through the different types of addicts. Not every addict is just a great person that's getting spiritually attacked. Um, but for a lot of these people, when you, when you talk to them on methadone or suboxone, and then if they successfully complete treatment afterwards, like people will stick up for methadone and suboxone. It's like, because you can hold the job while you take those, blah, blah, blah. not everything is, is just to meet your quota at your cubicle. You know, you, you gotta take time off and do what you gotta do. So you're not destroying your life. And that's what it comes down to. Yes, you can go to that day job every day, but you're not necessarily, in my opinion, no one should be living like this. Depressed, drained face, facial expressions and a slowness to their thought process, interacting with others, which is very common. These people look tired, have a spiritual blockage, in my opinion. Um, and then and then the when you try to, uh, not everyone, but some people, when you try to talk to them about these things, they, they stop you right there because they're then offended because they feel like you're then pointing at them saying, you're spiritually blocked, you're this, you're that. And then they, they get offended and it's just this cycle. And then they think you don't know anything because you're not living the behaviors they live on a daily basis. And it, I'm not trying to be insulting, but it does lower your vibration, your, your thought. You know, and if you're a very high vibrational person, it can be a very painful situation. I can usually tell the higher vibrational people that I work with by actually, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that. Well, let, let me say that words have meaning and the names we've rattled off. Many of them contain the word sub S U B go ahead and look it up folks. What does the prefix sub mean? Yes. But let me guide us in here. We have a few examples Um, We're going to talk about some people who have successfully quit smoking. Uh, We're going to talk about alcohol for a minute. Just so you know, you can go on Amazon or wherever you like to buy your books, even though I hate to say the word Amazon, you can get a very thin book on Iboga. I recommend everyone does it, even if addiction is not part of your life, because I would classify a plant like this 
from what I know now, as alone in the world. Similar to some other plants I know, but alone in the world as what I would call a consciousness plant. It is somehow connected to consciousness. That's all I can say. We got to be curious. I want to say so much more, but let's just jump in and talk about the smoking maybe. Okay. So, and again, the Suboxone methadone, that's just a very long process. And um, it, it's something that like Crow said is, is, is pretty intense. So do your research, um, know that you are being submerged and um, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a fun experience for the person or the people around them. And it is a form of slavery in my opinion. Okay. So now what's great about, about this realm is the yin and yang. Now, when there's a problem, there, there will be a solution. Now, the tougher the problem, the more complicated the solution might be. Um, but when you boil everything down, everything gets really simple in this realm. It's, it's, it just is what it is. So we have access to herbs and roots on this realm that, as my father always told me growing up, it's all in the rainforest. It'll cure every disease. And, and, I, and I completely believe that. And, it, and even things that we haven't experienced yet. So, but what we have experienced are people's um, addiction habits. So smoking being a major one, smoking cannabis and smoking um, tobacco and not, you know, homegrown tobacco like Marlboro's, which are sprayed over a thousand times and redried um, with these crazy addictive um, chemicals. So in nature, though, it can't compete. It can't compete with nature, these crazy chemicals. It, no matter how strong they make Suboxone, 52 times stronger, it doesn't matter. Um, there's still going to be something um, that can combat it. There's, there's always a key to a lock. So one of our smoking success stories was with Rue904 on IG, a great dude. He is quitting cannabis and nicotine after five to six years of smoking. Now he's already done it. He quit smoking, um, both of those. And he did it within two weeks and he did that. And this is one I bring him up because he's such a great example. One of the fastest people we know, and he used best earth, which is something we make that has um, boa kanga and other extracts in it that contain similar, but not exact of the alkaloids that is in a boga. So best earth, and it has um, a bunch of other stuff in it too, uh, mushrooms, algae. Um, so he took two capsules on an empty stomach for two weeks and he just slowly didn't want to smoke. And he was blown away just as much as, you know, anyone is when they go through those things. Um, and then we've got uh, Chilasaku bear. Um, I, I don't think I'm saying that right, but online, he wrote me this thing where he bought our honey hemp um, tincture and he bought our reishi extract. And I've got those at a potency where they, both of them can definitely help with, with different things, but they can help with sleep, um, especially if you use the right amount of it. So that was his main problem. He was having uh, trouble sleeping because he had stopped smoking cannabis. So, and he's been smoking for 10 years. Um, and this isn't your typical homegrown you know, cannabis full spectrum. Um, you know, we're talking about dispensary cannabis and, you know, what, what you buy on the street, the, a lot of these synthetically infused buds 
So they have a much higher THC content and there, there is factually an irritability that exists when you do something, anything, but we're talking about cannabis. If you smoke every day for 10 years and then you just stop, there's, there is going to be like with anything, irritability, trouble sleeping, things like that. So just using Rishi in our honey hemp tincture, which is you know, just using that helped him with the insomnia that he typically experiences as rebound effects from the you know use of the cannabis. So that was great. He didn't even have to use best earth. And some people would say, well, that's counterproductive if he's using honey hemp to stop smoking, but he did stop smoking. So yes, we're using cannabis to cure a cannabis habit, but it's, it's just funny the way it works like that. Fire with fire. That's a big homeopathic thing. And by the way, since you were talking about smoking cigarettes, all you folks out there who love the Recoweg products, there is one called R77 for smoking. And again, like all the Recoweg, it's a real deal, but go ahead, James. No, I love the Recoweg stuff. Right now I'm doing the seven for my liver. Um, I've been doing that for a little while and I love it. Absolutely love it. Real deal. These are real deal things. And you know, yeah. when, when Fortune first described the homeopathic remedies, I always loved what he first told me. He says, there's no side effects. When it works, it really works. When it's cured, it's actually cured. And if you keep it out of light and heat, that bottle will last longer than you will probably. Yeah, hundred percent. So the 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 smoking stories we've gotten have have been absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So if you combined the Recaweg seventy seven um, with what we're talking about, or just pick one of them, but I think I think in combination that that's a great way to do it. Or Best Earth and the R seventy seven. But um, there are things out there, you know, they, they advertise Chantix and things like that give people suicidal dreams that wake up and they kill their whole family on Christmas morning because they took this pill for two weeks. Like there's a lot of those stories, way more than people would like to admit. And these drugs stay on the market for years, you know, the no smoking pills. That's no joke, by the way. Yeah, it does have a tendency to to make terrible mindsets and put people in rage. I can't remember the names of them, but I know this firsthand. I witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah. I went through it as well. I, I, that, that was one of the first things I tried to stop smoking and I, I didn't take it for very long. Um, that was years ago, but nothing worked. And for me personally, I talked about this on a, a couple episodes ago that I just took best earth every day myself, just like Rue did. Um, I, it took me a little longer than Rue. Rue really impressed me. He did it in two weeks, but you know, it took me about two months of every day taking it. But it's, again, and it's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. So I did a lookup. You got me going on the suboxone. So I just did a quick uh, yeah. lookup and I'll take the, the two words that you hear. Sounds like is like sub and ox. Well, sub, as everybody knows, means under, below, or beneath. There's your sub. Ox is a domesticated bovine, both genders, just to make the point. Words have meaning. The pharmaceutical spellcraft. Yeah. And I was noticing things like this, but I wasn't looking at it in the right perspective. I was noticing things like that. I would like in, in like 2015, maybe I was thinking, how do they name these things? And I, and I used to think that it was like Suboxone. The ox is to, you know, uh, and, and I know there's astrological and esoteric meanings to all this now, but back then I was like, oh, they're trying to advertise subconsciously to people addicted to oxycodone, oxy, subox. And then oh, suboxone would be the end of methadone. 
So I thought they were just trying to grab from any type of opiate. But then I then I learned, you know, then you learn why they but why did they name methadone methadone, you know, and it and it just gets into these very deep things. But it kind of has the oxygen idea. When I first heard the word, I thought, is that relating to oxygen in some way? I thought maybe the chemistry of it must, but I don't know. Submerging below without oxygen, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy, but just, you know, any it's, you, you've got to realize whenever you say words, see what people do is they say, Oh, you're just taking a word that sounds like this. You're right. I am. Sounds like often is like, yes. but what I know certainly is something about cymatics. If I say the word subhuman, and then I say some word with sub that is nice and not mean hearted, guess what? That word has the same resonance in the only thing that has changed is the intention. So every time you say the word sub and you know that it means below, beneath, under, um, that resonance is within that sound being made. The only thing that differs is the intent put behind it. But I mean, we could get into that all day with the naming of these drugs. What intent is behind that? I'm guessing it's not very good. But anyhow, let's pick up. You wanted to. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't hit the. Did you want to hit on alcohol? I'm going to get to that. Yes. 100%. Um, I I just, because you remind me about the Suboxone. So we talked about my, who's now become a very good friend of mine. So from the last, in the last episode we did, which was episode 423 in the first hour, we talked about someone who became good friends with me and he reached out after hearing the first Crow episode we did episode 379 and the stars aligned, everything worked out. And I got to talk about what he was going through and then he helped his own situation. And then he got off and, and he helped himself get off Suboxone. Now, it, he was on it for nine or 10 years. And, you know, I spoke to him a little bit before he did his session. And then I spoke to him afterwards. And what I'm about to say makes total sense with seemingly different people I was talking to before and after the session. So we were at Flattoberfest um, a couple weekends ago. And um, we were talking to people and Ben Balderson and Jason and a ton of awesome people were there. And now the person that we were just talking about from the last episode came up, said hello. You know, we, we, it was so good to meet him in person. You know, I love that dude. And, but anyways, he had a coworker with him and this coworker worked with him for several years. And the coworker talked to me separately. And he said, man, I just want to tell you like his mind was blown. He, he was said, he said, I've known this man for a long time. I worked with him. Um, you know, he was not known as like an extremely nice guy. And, you know, he said, I always liked him, but you know, I'm just a dude. So he, anyways, he said, now everyone completely, he said, man, he said, I don't know what you guys did, but he has a completely different uh, reputation now where they work. He's, and, and I said, what is that reputation? And they said, well, he's very caring. He's much more patient. He's not irritable. He's not, he's basically not an asshole. <laughs> and, um, and he, and to me, you know, it's himself because he got released from this, you could call it a demon, whatever dark dysfunction that was attached to him. That was, that was running him. I mean, and it is what it is. Yeah. You'll still go to work, pay your bills, but you're miserable you're miserable and, and, and it sucks again for that person, everyone around them. So it's just really cool to meet the people that are around them that see also see the difference, you know, because an addict will tell you one day, you know, 
he needs help when he's signed. And the next day I'll tell you he's clean because maybe he's got an agenda or whatever. But when you start having family and friends come up to you and say, thank you, you know, it, it was overwhelming. The entire experience was very overwhelming, but it, it's cool. It's, it's possible for people, you know, it is possible. It's, you know, and I, I have just as many non-possible stories, you know. So it reminds me of some of the writings of Rudolf Steiner, which also relate to some modern researchers who were starting to make the claims or have the suspicions that people with, say, schizophrenia and other things were being influenced from what they called spirits that are not living people anymore. In other words, their claim is a person dies, their spirit still goes on, there's a spirit realm, and there's like a slum or a ghetto side of the spirit world, and those dark forces were causing some of these problems. And I thought that's interesting, but who the heck's ever going to prove? Then I read Rudolf Steiner, and Rudolf Steiner showed that some people had made a career trying to demonstrate and then couldn't get published that the spirits were the cause of almost all alcoholism, all addiction. And I think that points to where you were going. But while I've got the microphone, I'll make another point. Words have meaning. Where do you go to get these terrible drugs we're talking about? You go to the pharmacy, right? That's based on the Greek word pharmakos. Here's the definition of pharmakos. A pharmakos in ancient Greek religion was a ritualistic sacrifice for a human scapegoat or victim. I mean, words have meaning and we've got to start to wake up to this. The only reason I added the Steiner stuff is because it felt to me like you were demonstrating the sweeping power of these drugs to take a high vibrational person and turn them into something different. Yeah. It's, it's an alchemical inversion. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I think a lot of spiritual warfare is aimed at great people. And, and that's, and that is, I mean, that's the only people you're going to aim it at. Right. And, but, but I think the Sabax and the methadone are the highest form of the magic. And then those are the only of that type of magic. The, the, those are the only two that are like acceptable too. If you go to a doctor, like they love handing out Suboxone and it's the worst. And, you know, it does help some people work, um, but the, it, not, and you're working in a dying state. And, and it is, I do think it's, it's darkness. And it's like, I, I like to look at it the way um, just Jack and Karen B do this show, anti-religious scripture study. And they talk about how, how instead of looking at like good and bad or sin and honor or not sin, it'd be to look at things in function and dysfunction, you know, and it helps people not get offended at their current situation because we're just talking about what is, is just not operating for them in a functional way. You know, what, what's hurting them over what's helping them. So what we should probably do is let's just do a brief overview of Iboga and just once quickly, because some people have caught the other episodes. Sure. And then when we did the second episode about Iboga, I was much more informed because I've read some books, but people should have an idea of what this is. But when we talk about it in hour one, we have to refer to what we're sharing as it is claimed by researchers. So everything we're about to say about Iboga has been claimed or published in books by people who researched Iboga. So let's just give a brief overview. Okay, so Iboga is a tree that exists in Africa. And now it is claimed by researchers and studiers of this tree that it can cure drug addiction that it can wipe your receptors clean from years of use or alcohol, drugs. It's been said that it can reset the brain for depression and uh, 
trauma. And then there's a whole wide range of uses. It's the bark of a root, and it has been known to be also used to treat ADHD, behavioral issues, detoxifying from ADHD medications, things like that. Um, and, and the reason being, um, and, I'll, and I'll read you a story about someone who I know personally that took the journey and got some good insights on, on what he thinks the tree is and what it did for him. And it's very different for everyone, but I think overall it helps identify morally detrimental habits and therefore spiritually degrading habits, but it doesn't just identify them. Some people have gone deep enough where they claim instructions on how to heal these habits and how to distance yourself from them for the rest of your life, like how to conquer them. And many, many, many people have claimed that. I'm one of them that, that you know, I, I, I had my experience in 2018 and I was on Suboxone, Gabapentin, two different benzodiazepines. I was on muscle relaxers. Um, I was on a lot of things. And, and I was on um, a very high dose of Adderall as well, which is um, amphetamine. And I, I did a massive flood dose. I went into a different state of, of being, and not everyone gets there, but, and this is why weaning off of the drug is so important. Um, Iboga can't necessarily come into the, to the hall and empty, you know, into a hall that's already filled with all these decorations, no matter what they look like, it can't come in and then set up all its stuff over it. You know, the, 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 the hall has to be cleared out, you know, and, and, that's, that's why you wean down. You have to have a clean vessel. And then some people say, well, then what's the even point of it? What's the point if I have to, if I have to wean down? Well, the point is, is it's going to destroy a year's worth of withdrawal you're about to go to. Even if you wean down to almost nothing and then you stop, you still have a year to go. Most people. Or, or more. Or more. Some people are claiming after two years trying to get off Suboxone. But the thing that struck me in what I read, what the researchers did, and this is well-researched. Anyone could look it up if they buy the books. The words they used that made my jaw drop was that the iboga reset the addicted brain to pre-addiction state. It, it's like putting your brain in a dishwasher, in the cleanest, most benevolent, natural dishwasher you've ever seen, where it power washes all the shit out of your brain. And it, and it does that and has different effects because of that. So it, it can't scrub if the, if the dirt on it and everything is cemented to the, to the plate, you know, it can't, your dishwasher is not going to get it clean. And that's what suboxone and methadone is and all that. So it, that's why you have to starve the system and bring it down to a certain level. Um, and now I, and also, but it's not just cleaning out your body, the dream experience. If you, if you wean down, you get to go into the dream realm of Iboga where you're before you get to the dream realm. If you take like any amount, your mind's racing your mind. It's just like you wound up a clock and let it go. And, and your, your mind is going a million miles. Now your thoughts are operating at the highest speed you've ever, and you know, you can barely keep up with it, but once it goes to that next stage, and this is also very well researched, once you go to this next stage where your brain is completely sober feeling, but you're in a new environment in maybe a different decade, maybe a past decade, a future decade in a different realm in a different country, but people will live out these, these other lives. And they have, again, they're completely sober and you remember all of it. And it's not too fast. It's not so fast. You can't keep up with it. Um, and the dream experience 
implements the instructions. People talk about the healing instructions with visual metaphors, physical metaphors you interact with that you won't otherwise grasp if you're if you're just in the high speed before you get to the dream state. If you're just in that high speed thought process state, you can barely keep up with. You know, it both are beneficial. Both stages, I think, are necessary as well. Now, I've got a good friend of mine, and he is a huge fan of you. And he let me know everything that happened with him before and after his session. He was an alcoholic for years. He dabbled with other things, but that was his main issue, right? The main addiction was alcohol. Yes, the main addiction with alcohol. Okay. And, um, and so most people think that's what they're addressing. And it'll be just this will to drink that's just removed from them. And that's it. You're just removing something. But really, you're gaining access to all this information about yourself that's already there, that's already inside of you. And it's, and it's now providing a doorway, some access into those answers. So this is what he had to say about his session. And he's doing great right now. So this is what he said. I set out on this task after you mentioned it to me a couple of years ago. It simmered in my brain for over a year. And then hearing you on Crow the second time sealed the deal. I also spoke with a friend who did it 10 years ago to beat heroin. I'm just going to type a few sentences. Uh, So he had a friend come from three hours away to sit with him for a two-day ceremony. And now he said he had a four, it was originally supposed to be four days. He couldn't do the entire session just from time restraints. And when you have children and a job, you got to do what you can do. So he weaned down um, the amount he was drinking. You know, uh, it's very important that he took 36 to 48 hours of no kratom, no cannabis, no herbal, anything before the boga session. Proving intent, by the way, to this conscious plant. Part of that is you are proving your intent to be yes. free. Yes. And, that, and, it, and that's what it's about. Now, when you're in an everyday drug loop of just getting drugs, doing drugs, everything loses its spiritual essence. So when you try to reintroduce this spiritual meaning to everything and people in these situations, it, it can go really good or really bad. Now, his experience lasted 18 hours. My experience was 10 days. So his experience is the more typical. It was the most powerful thing I've ever taken, but I was quote unquote there the whole time. And this is a very good, upstanding, moral man. He said, as I started to feel it kick in, I heard in quotes and felt it traveling up my spine and into the top of my brain where it scattered off like the squid machines from the matrix. Like each part knew exactly where to go. And I can, I I can relate to that 100%, especially this next part. Uh, The noises I heard audibly, at least to me, sounded like 1980s computer noises or sci-fi sound effects, like laser blasters from Star Wars. I could tell the plant has its own consciousness. Shortly after, these heads and other things began appearing to me like 3D animation. Even with my eyes open, I saw them. Now, this is very different from what I experienced. And that's what's so unique and very cool about this realm we live in. What is inside me that I need to gain access to is not what's inside my friend here. <laughs> and, and the meanings are just as powerful to him as mine are to me. Shows you what you need to see based on what you actually need to see. Yes, exactly, Crow. Now, he said, 
there and there's some like dark imagery here and you know people it quickly goes into i love what you and ben were saying on the last ben episode um about you know don't vilify the tool you know don't vilify the image what it's showing you or you're gonna miss the message you know what i mean yep this information is not new age this is this information is ancient. And uh, Cammy Nodell said that in the chat the other day. And I thought that's that's so important, you know, um, to bring up. This is the most ancient information. These are sacred trees and roots that have been here since the beginning of time, as far as we know. Shepherded by the Mbuiti tribe, right? Yes, exactly. Which shows its ancient lineage through that ancient culture. Correct. And the morality of that culture speaks volumes. And that that's a whole nother thing to look into. And that culture surrounded you know, by this, this tree. So it, it's very interesting. So as he started to feel it kick in, there was what, you know, everything I just described. And then there was what looked like a dead cat's head, a small baby's head, an elephant pushing a wheelbarrow and two evil headed men, an evil little girl, like the movie from the ring and some others. I can't recall. Each one seemed to connect me to a part of me that needed reflection or change. These beings moved and were animated. Their pupils dilated. They winked and blinked and smiled at me. Each one had a set looped animation. It would repeat and each one would come back over and over in random order. The elephant with the wheelbarrow would walk up and dump the contents of the wheelbarrow and the contents would come spiraling right up at my face before disappearing. The baby head would slowly morph into a smiling monkey's head The twin evil Siamese twin would scour and grin at me like they were mocking me. And and like he said, all of these different things were different representations of different aspects of himself. Um, So he said, I only have a couple of vivid visions I can remember. Most of it was deep personal reflection. The one that stood out the most was when I was transported to the rundown house my sister died in. I was there while her husband and my mom were looking over her body and crying. I could see my sister's cold, dead face riddled from decades of drug abuse. I could smell the room. I could feel the dust on the hardwood floors. I could see her couch and TV, all with never stepping foot in her house or ever meeting her husband. That one was probably the hardest part because I didn't speak to my sister for a good five or six years before she died. I know I hold some regrets, but they never seem to manifest. I still hold a grudge against her. Iboga showed me that. The next vivid visual was seeing inside of my body. And this is something I can relate to 100%. This is what's very fascinating. It's almost like the inside of your body grows eyes. And you're the motherboard and you can look at all the cameras at, at the same time or whenever you want. The next vivid visual was like seeing inside my body, like with my eyes wide open, my skin disappeared and I could see all my muscles and tendons and internal organs all alive and functioning before me. Then that faded out and I could see my skeleton and and those visions get intensified. If you drink something or eat something, those cameras, like from where the liquid starts in your mouth to down your throat, all the way down to your stomach, you get to like, see it. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, And this made me freak out a bit and get sick to my stomach Um, because you can't turn these things off either. They, 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 it just is showing you, I mean, the biggest metaphor I got from those types of experiences that have faith, 
you're not in control. You're not running the ship. Like we're, you know, we're, we are, we are in the vessel. We're on the ship on a ride. Have faith that you're going to be all right. Have faith that the internal systems are processing and functioning correctly. And that's what we're saying about function versus dysfunction. Everything he was seeing was pure functionality, which is beautiful. Um, and so after the after effects were amazing, he said, I felt like a complete, uh, a new person completely. So many unexpected things changed in my life. I didn't want to drink, smoke weed, take Kratom, or smoke tobacco. But even more than that, my taste in clothing changed. How I wanted to carry myself in life changed. I had more confidence and wanted to be present. uh, I'm sorry, and wanted to present as a successful, handsome man instead of scrubby looking like a scrubby woodman that I had been for the last decade or so. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is just his, his personal, uh, you know, this is, this is what he got out of it. And, it. and it comes with a knowledge, not like an idea, but a knowledge of who you are, who you're supposed to be. I started exercising heavily, and that was not slowed down at all, even a month later. He said, my main goal was to quit alcohol, which was successful. Not only did I no longer crave it, I felt disgusted by the thought of it for weeks And now this is very important with the next thing he's about to say. And this is why booster dosing, booster doses, you know, uh, taking it on a scheduled basis, many people will tell you that is the way to get the long-term lifelong effects out of this. And, you know, I, I personally feel much more stronger about it than most clinics do. Most clinics send people home with nothing. I would say if you are in a clinic, I, I I wouldn't step foot in the clinic unless it was guaranteed a year at least worth of booster doses was sent home with me um, because it needs to stay alive in your system. And you'll see what I mean by the way he describes it. Um, I have to say the temptation and curiosity has come back. So I'm looking forward to a monthly ceremonies for this next year to really keep that train going. And that's what it is. And if you do it and it's okay, so for the rest of your life, you're just on another drug. No, not at all. So this is like a once or twice a month process, these boosters. And if you do it for a year from, from many people's research and many experiences, you know, I've shared with, uh, but those are micro doses, right? Those are not the big flooding dose. No, exactly. Crow. Those, those are just, you know, the, the opening of the jar so you can get another whiff of it and remind yourself, Oh, okay. I got it. The mindset, the mindset, the mindset is X, Y, and Z. So to be clear, it's not that flood dose. He was describing the experiences. And by the way, everything I read, Some people have similar experiences. They're always very powerful. What I read in the research is you're going to learn like you can't imagine you ever learned in your life tailored to your personal situation to include terrible things or hangups you've had from your life, all of it, but don't fight against it. If you fight against it, then you're not going to benefit and you're going to have a bad time. The other thing I would say is your friend was on alcohol. What I know of alcohol is it's one of the not too many addictions. You could die coming off alcohol. Oh yeah. People do that have to go cold Turkey on serious alcoholism that can kill you. And I didn't hear you say anything about, you know, feeling horrible after the fact. Yeah, it's man. And so I, and I've talked to some people 
with the alcoholism that tried the aboga and they just threw up for hours on end now and they didn't feel good afterwards and now these these people that i'm talking about did not finish their session and they turned the tv on and watched tv the entire time they didn't turn the lights off or go inside or anything so there's that but i i love hearing more alcohol stories of people like this like i just read because he he put the work in and his intention was pure and it served him right, you know, and yeah, he feels phenomenal. He said, uh, a weird thing is that I no longer need sunglasses in sunny days while driving or walking outside. I used to wear them constantly and I would feel pain without them. I also realized I had some social habits that I needed to stop. For example, I would often dumb myself down so I would fit in during certain situations, or I would ask questions that I already knew the answer to just to have something to add to a group discussion. Things like that almost felt like I was hiding my true potential in the name of fitting in. So, I mean, just endless. It's a ripple effect throughout every aspect of your life, physical, metaphysical, etherical, on the ground. It's, it's, a, it's a ripple effect and it, and it corrects behavior if you want it to. Again, if you fight against it, like you just said, it, it can be very unpleasant. That's because you're not in line with the functional mindset you're operating in a dysfunctional mindset, you know, and if, if you'd like, we can get into the um, different types of addicts we deal with. I think this is important for people to know. All right. I, I just want to make the point before we do into the five different addict archetypes, this plant is so important when I read about it and I'm at a point in my life where addiction is not a part of my life. I have experienced addiction in my realm in my age group. I had to deal with it myself. But what I found in this was there's a consciousness here. And even if you were never addicted to anything and terrible things happened when you were young or all the problems human beings have, what I found in the research I read is all of that could be dealt with. But then what I further realized, we live in a world where there are men in white lab coats putting out the most addictive substances, almost impossible to get free of on your own. And here we have this consciousness that can help. Let's jump. We've only got a few minutes left in hour one. Let's quickly cover the five different addict archetypes. And I've got to ask, is this published, researched, or what you noticed? So this is my research um, from doing addict consultations over the last, this is, this is completely from me. Got it. Okay. So, and again, you know, people might disagree or add or subtract however they want to look at this list, but this is what's been proven to me over and over. So addiction and how it affects all walks of life in all different ways. It, it can go on for so long that people then find their identity in that behavior and in that lifestyle alone. They literally forget who they are. And again, this, this would offend someone that, that is in that scenario, understandably. So the first one we notice is the competitive addict. They're more offended easily. They've done more drugs than anyone. Um, you have no idea what they've experienced. You'll never do as much drugs as like this, this competitive focus on the behavior, living out your identity in the behavior itself instead of addressing it as an issue, which it is. So that's, that's like the inversion. Defense mechanism kind of. For sure, you know, or just someone really immersed in the lifestyle that truly enjoys it. You know, people are going to say things, you should take their word for it, you know, if they say things like that. And then the doubtful addict would be the, the addict who's scared to wean off, scared to take any instruction, 
scared to take anything natural because they put natural and synthetic in the same basket of just being bad, but somehow they'll still take the synthetic. It's, it's, it's doubt. It's a lack of faith and it's fear. And it affects all of us in all different ways. Um, but when it's, when it has to do with your physical and spiritual well-being, you need to gain faith. You need to leave the doubt aside. Now the addict who refuses instruction, um, is, is what the doubtful addict can turn into. And the doubtful addict can turn into the addict that knows everything. And then that can go back to the competitive addict. Now the discerning addict is the one who seeks wisdom, instruction, and they're typically grateful. These are the people that are the most successful. And it just is what it is. It's just a math equation. Um, the more grateful I've seen people, for whatever circumstance they are, doing everything without complaining or grumbling, they have the most successful time with this tree. Now, the last addict archetype I would call the in a pinch addict. Now, that's an addict who just needs a real temporary escape hatch without doing any of the work or wanting to wait, um, no long-term desire to quit, and they usually have pending legal issues that are coming up very soon. So these people, you know, a lot of them get very spiritual and want to take iboga, but as, as soon as they find out parameters or what the clinics are offering or how long it takes or where they have to go, as soon as it, it erases the idea that they'll be passing a drug test next Tuesday because it's way more extensive than that. They get very frustrated about the entire situation. So handle your, in my opinion, I think it's best to handle your legal stuff first, do everything you have to do. You know, if you can make it a part of your treatment, that's great, but it, it's, it's all about timing. You know, we want the Iboga is a spiritual chiropractor, you know, it makes appointments when it deems the time is right. You see and feel experience healing and learn the cause of the need for adjustment, which you then correct going forward so you're not following the same damaging behavior. And then the other people that we love, a lot of these are grateful people, you know, I'll, I'll run into them a year after we spoke or whatever, and they're like, please don't be mad at me. I'm still taking X, Y, or Z, methanose, box, and whatever. I'm weaning down. I'm just waiting to do this session. And every time I'm like, oh man, no, that's great. Like if I talk to you tomorrow and five years later, you're still doing what you have to do. That's a part of your story. I'm not knocking anyone's story or how long they have to do something. I'm not disappointed with people. A lot of people approach me later on down the road and they feel like I'm going to be disappointed with them. That, that's not the case at all. So if you do come to work with us or ask us a question, just know that we deal, we're working with people on a daily basis. You know, we just want to get to the meat of it and we're not here to judge. And I, and that way, you know, I, I hope I'm clear about that. So we're coming to the top of hour one. And what I want to add is like, as you were explaining the five archetypes, as you've seen them, it echoed my ears from what I'm familiar with of the 12 step programs. Now mm. people have even gone back and tried to say, well, look, this is how we got the 12 step pro. You want to know what I saw? I've seen a lot of people get benefit that were serious from the 12 step programs, mm. but I noticed, you know, there's always these catchphrases. Oh, this person's in denial. They'll call them the King or the queen of denial. You hear these over and over, but there's a commonality to it. But what I see here is now we're finally opening a door beyond just a 12 step program. And it is so far beyond it could help people. I, I mean, from what I have researched, I'm wondering if there's any emotional, mental issue that might not benefit from this. And I'm just supposing here. Anyhow, Jason, anything you want to get in before we wrap up and get ready to come back and talk a little bit more freely an hour or two? 
No, let's just make sure that James gives out all contact details. Once again, Rose and I have both used a lot of their stuff and found them incredibly awesome. That's why we have the link because these are top quality. Um, I helped one of my friends. He, he, he ended up using the Requeg, but he was using uh, one of the things for Crohn's. It was very successful, but at the end of the day, these are high quality things. And just so people know, this is not part of the business model when I put up these things. What it is, is I know they are useful. I know they're a real deal and I'd like to share with people. And by the way, there are a lot of people who have notified me. They require the links now because they've done the green coffee. They've done all these things. It's a part of how they live now. Please give us your contact information. Remember, we're in hour one. Uh, you may or may not want to give out an email. Sure. It's groundedextracts.com. Just groundedextracts.com. And um, to finish up, just the, if you want to become the grateful addict, if you want to seek wisdom and actually be free of what you're dealing with and, and find your identity in yourself rather than your behavior, the way to do that is the victor mindset over the victim. So don't have a victim mentality. And the victor mindset is not selfish. It is not a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to win at all costs and I'm going to get mine to, you know, because I'm going to eat this here, blah, blah, blah. It's not like that. It's you're victorious in your morality. You're victorious in becoming who you're supposed to be and victorious in living a functional life, you know, over the victim mindset. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to wrap up and we're going to get ready to come back for hour two, but I will add this as I close. Addiction is a form of slavery. However you choose to think about that, I used to think about it before I read people like Steiner, and I don't know for sure, but I know what I've read. I used to think, yeah, I, I was a slave by my own hand. Now, that's true in certain ways, but think about what Steiner said. Is that possible? Is there an astral plane or some dimension or spirit world beyond where the dark forces are trying to slave us out through addiction and somehow experience what they can't experience in three? I don't know but I've read about it. But what I do know is addiction is slavery and nobody in this world wants to be a slave, at least not forever. Anyhow, that brings hour one of episode 460 to a close. First hour is free at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. Members know to log in for the full two hour or two hour plus episode. All members get free access to our two hour feature film, Shoot the Moon, that covers all my telescope work. There it is with that. I hope to see you for hour two over at the website. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
Belief is the enemy of knowing.